Welcome back to Cooper Duper, a Twin Peaks podcast for regular people. This is Jess. I am Mikey. And we're back with Twin Peaks Season 3, Part 13. Michael, how are you? I'm fine. Good. I'm very tired. Yeah. This is my third podcast of the day, and I have been drained of all charisma and speaking ability, so might be a mess. Who knows? Let's dive in. What do you think of this episode overall? It's weird. Yes. Correct. Yeah, I don't, I don't, it seems a little disjointed. Mm-hmm. Um, there's great stuff in it, as always. Yeah. But, I don't know. All right, should we dig in? Uh, sure. All right. Um, so we start with the Congo line, as one does. Along with the weirdest goddamn song I've ever heard in my life. I still think song is a really generous descriptor for it. I think it was a cacophonous mess. And Mikey accused me of making up the word cacophony. Yeah. It's a real word. You have to trust me on this one. Uh, spell it. Oh, God. I can barely then spell my name. Then it doesn't name. exist. I don't think that's the rule. Because I can't spell Ca- definitely either. <laughs> I'm sure that's a word. Cacophony. Cuckoff, like, like Kafka, or like no um, coffin. No phone is the the root word there. Those are very different. Cacophon and phone. Cacophone, cacophony. Cacophony. Oh, so like phone. caca, like a bird. <laughs> Listen, I don't like this word. Rotten is not my strength, but phone is sound. Fine, I'll look it up. Like symphony. Uh, yeah. Casey. C A. Yeah, C A C O F. My God. C A C O P H O N Y. A harsh, <laughs> discordant mixture of sounds. Yeah. Anyway, that's. Wait, now I have to find the roof words. You okay. Read the word. That's. This is your fault, Merriam-Webster. You've never failed me before. Um. Like it sounds like some sounds are playing played backwards. Some, it's it's super strange. Cac k a k. Oh, it's Greek. That's my mistake. Phone p h o n e. It means sound. Cac um, k a k means bad, and f- so it just means bad sound. So so that tracks. I told you. It was word. <laughs> Don't ever challenge me and my vocabulary again. So the sound, song, song noise track. Um, yeah, it was. <coughs> it actually took me a second to to clock that it was even soundtracked. I thought it was just like it, people were shaking things. Yeah, it sounds like it's just like they put a bunch of children in a room with like toy musical instruments mm-hmm. and like Triangles play a song, and, yeah. and then they just like looped it so that it has some sense of rhythm. Yeah, it was wild. It's super strange. Um. So this is the Meacham brother. Meacham? What do I always want to I Well, depending on certain accents. Like, there's the guy with this, the gym set or whatever earlier who's, who goes on the Meachams. The Meacham brothers. The Meacham brothers. <laughs> like, it, I think it's, but it's Meacham. Um, so they bring uh, Dougie to Bushnell Mullins' office to celebrate um, and bring gifts for Mullins. Yeah, and clearly they had been just out all night yeah. from the last time we saw them, which is eating pie at that restaurant. Yeah. So they bring in um, keys to a car. 
And then something else. What was the other thing? Uh, diamond monogram cufflinks oh, and yeah. a box of fancy cigars. Okay. Um, and then, so they also gave him a convertible, which they... Matches... Matches Dougie's new convertible. Which they mention like, oh, now it matches Dougie. And you're like, what? And then you see later the, mm-hmm. the car on the, the driveway. Um, Anthony Sinclair is hiding in his office. Like, he's literally hiding. <laughs> under the under desk. Under his desk. Yeah. Um, he's, uh, he is on the phone with Duncan Todd, um, who gives him one day to kill who he describes and then as Jones. Sinclair gives two the two best, best delivery. But you said two before. Like, the way he said, like, I love the delivery of that line. But, but Mom, you said two before. Mom, you said two. I have no idea what happened, Mr. Todd. Well, this is most unfortunate. I agree, I don't know what to say. But you know what to do. We talked about this. I am giving you one day to remedy this situation. But you said two before. One day. Do we have a complete understanding? Yes, sir. And it's it's just so like the degradation of this guy who starts out at the beginning of this as being like the tough. You calling me a liar? Yeah. You call you call me a liar, Dougie, yeah. and like I'm fuck you, a uh, uh, big alpha male guy. Then, <laughs> but but you said two before. <laughs> it's so good. Um. So now we find out that there is effectively a hit out on Dougie. Uh, I mean, he he. They said that already. They he said you have to get the Mitchums to do this, otherwise mm-hmm. you are responsible. Right. That's what Todd told him. So, oh, that's right. That now he's officially thing. responsible, and he has less time because he's pissed that. That's right. Because he went to the right casino and said that like wink wink, Dougie's an enemy yeah. of ours, in hopes that they would because that they would then kill because him. Because the okay, last scene now. of Duncan Todd and Sinclair in. Todd's office he tells him specifically get the Mitchums to do this and if they don't then it's on you but Mm -hmm. Dougie's gotta go so his the hit was already out it was supposed to be Ike the Spike right and then he thwarted that attack right um and then it fell into the hands of the Mitchums Dougie Jones made them fall in love with him and now it's in Anthony Sinclair's hands and now We'll Anthony, see. Anthony falls in love with Dougie again right. too. Like all, like he's writing all these wrongs. Right. Um. So then we cut over to the Joneses' home, uh, where some delivery men bring a uh, gym set for Sonny and Jim, which they had kind of discussed in the previous episode. Like, oh, your kid doesn't have a gym. Yeah. Oh, what? what? Kid? Your kid doesn't yeah. have a gym set. Oh, who? What? What did you call these when you were a kid? Jungle gym. Yeah. Yeah. We call it. I call it a gym set, but there's jungle gym, gym set, and I feel like there was another one too that people said. Yeah, I would say jungle gym, in general. When I in my gym- like that's what I'm wondering if it if it's like a a regional thing or if it's like a you know, like yeah, gym set sounds very formal to me. Really? Yeah. I I would think gym set sounds. Like the dumb Midwestern way of it's like pop. 
Gym, uh, it's a gym set. Yeah. Like, it's like a lazy way of... It just feels like the thing somebody would call it if they've only ever seen it in a Sears Roebuck catalog, but have never seen one in real life. Like, oh, a gym set. Yeah. Um, and also it sounds like twin set, which is like a cardigan and matching <laughs> sleeveless shell for women. Sure, sure. Um, anyway, so we go to the... Uh, jo- oh, yeah, we did that. Um, in that new car is in the driveway. Uh, Janie E directs them to put it in the backyard, which is a... Stroke of genius. Where, where do you want it? Hmm, <laughs> let's think about this. <laughs> this giant thing that literally takes up the entire backyard mm-hmm. when you see it. Where are we going to put this? In, um, in the garage, maybe? Yeah, yeah I think so. <laughs> like, in the basement. Yeah. Um, and so they all go set that up, and she seems very happy for yeah. possibly the first time ever in this in the context of well, this. Well, I mean. Well, besides when she was fucking Dougie. Yeah. She seemed pretty happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. She was yelling. She sounded like she was in pain. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, all right, so now we get to Mr. C, uh, who arrives at the farm as Ray and his associates do watch see, him on we, the security camera. Because I had just notes about the playground, beat, but do we see it? Because we see it. We see Sonny Jim playing on it. Yeah, I do think... Do we come back after the um, farm, or...? Yes, we come back. Okay. Um, so... So, uh... Mr. C arrives at the farm as Ray and his associates watch him on security camera. They giant bring, ass screen. Oh my god! They, <laughs> like a security camera suggests that, like, oh, there's this little like <laughs> black and white CRT thing yeah. that they're watching a monitor. It's like a giant wall display <laughs> of the front door, like of this place in Western Montana. As yeah, as if they just like sit there and watch it like it's TV. Yeah, yeah. like oh oh oh, tell me again. And they do. They like later when they yeah the other guys. It's it's wild. It's this place is so strange because there's nothing else in this fucking place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's a shitty freight elevator and then this giant video monitor. Like nothing else is there except for that and like some giant like trucks, like a Hummer or whatever it is. Can like, you help me remember what Mister C is doing? Because we didn't see him last episode, what do you and mean? like, what's his goal? What's he trying to achieve right now? Whatever those coordinates are. Oh, okay. His, so he's just his going to coordinates. Line and- has been, I'm tra- and then uh, Ray said he had them, so he followed Ray to this location. Mm. Um, he's trying to get these coordinates. We don't technically. Oh, so know he didn't exactly trace the coordinates to that place. He's right. still trying to achieve. He's the coordinates. trying to find. I'm looking for this. The same thing with Dari at the beginning. I'm looking for this. Mm-hmm. Do you know how to find this? I need these coordinates. Hastings had the coordinates. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Ray has the coordinate. Like and they're, they're on Ruth's arm, right? And Those on Ruth's arm. Those. They're trying to get. He wants. Ideally, he wants to go to where that is. Mm-hmm. We don't technically know what that is yet. Um, so they, uh, they bring Mr. C in, um, he says he's there to see Ray, and he's told that Renzo is the leader of the men, and he is undefeated in arm wrestling. This is so bizarre. It's so weird, and then it gets weirder because Mr. C is like, like, we're all children? Like, is this a children's game? What, like, kinder, what is this, kindergarten? Kindergarten? Nursery Nursery school? school? Fucking burn! And it's- Roast a Mr. Z! like his deliveries in like Mr. C can talk fluently. Mm-hmm. Like he has, we've seen him have like this isn't this. This is what I want, Ray. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, this isn't mm-hmm. what I need. I can give inflections when I need to uh-huh. to emphasize points. Mm-hmm. Like he talks 
like directly and succinctly and sharply mm-hmm. but there's intonations and stuff it sounds like a human being talking right and then all of a sudden he's like regressing he, he sounds like dougie being a tough guy in this scene you know what i mean what what kind of oh and then you know starting position is much more like it's his all he's this scene is so bizarre it's very odd but i really like the arm wrestling bit don't get me wrong i fucking love it yeah yes i absolutely love this it's just so strange it is probably the one scene that stuck with me the most of Mm -hmm. this entire season like i'm talking Mm -hmm. like when we watched it in 2017 if you would ask me like a year before we started this podcast, like, yeah. what do you remember from from season three? I would have been like the arm wrestling. I I'm, I still kick myself that I didn't pull the trigger and buy the. I, it might have been Twin Peaks Unwrapped who made it, but there was a um, t shirt floating around for a while that was the over the top logo of <laughs> no of like it's th- that like. 80s style you draw you should explain what over the top is because not everybody knows it over the top over the top is i'll I'll dial it back it is one of the greatest movies ever made Mm -hmm. um where sly stallone plays lincoln hawk or lincoln hawks depending on what point in the movie sometimes it's hawk and sometimes it's hawk at one point mikey did make me promise to name our firstborn child lincoln hawk or lincoln hawks yeah i gave you the option (laughs) yeah that was nice of me which is yeah very kind but i do want a child named lincoln hawk um and it is about how sylvester stallone has to travel the country and get to this big arm wrestling competition so he can arm wrestle to save his child from Robert Loja. That's the premise, but it's... Who's the kid's grandfather. Right. And evil for... Because he doesn't think Sylvester Stallone, who is a trucker and has never been around a kid, should be the kid's ward? It's... It's... I mean, do you want... Do you really no, want to talk I about don't. this? Let's okay. Um, so anyway, the t-shirt. So the t-shirt is the logo for... Um, over the top or one of the the box covers where it's that animated style but very hyper realistic uh-huh. and it's like the a big truck coming out with the the hawk um what do you call those things the thing in the front of a car the the people always stole them the oh the hood ornaments hood ornament thank you and there's a big hawk thing and then it's stallone leaning forward with like giant bicep that comes like out like it's all within a circular frame and then the arm oh, comes uh-huh. out in front of the bottom of the circle of the frame and it's a dope looking thing but that was the over the top thing and then they made one like that of mr c <laughs> and i i kicked myself that i don't have it because i had a shirt of that over the i had an over the yeah. top shirt with that logo yeah and it was awesome and i would have loved to have had a cooper one there and i never bought it and now they don't make it anymore they're not printing it or whatever but it's I should have, and I'm disappointed in that because I, I, I agree. I don't know why it doesn't seem to fit anything else. This scene is absurd. It's ridiculous, and I absolutely love it. <laughs> um, oh boy. But we're not even into the no the arm wrestling yet, so we'll talk about that. So he get. challenges Resno and Renzo. Basic- Thank you. So he challenges Renzo and wagers, especially essentially, Ray. He's arm wrestling for this. Right. Know. They say if you win, 
like that's how you become boss is if you win and he never loses so he's our I boss. love generic boss too right like it's all so but like but then when they get down there it's a padded table like it's designed for arm wrestling. Yeah, for sure. Like, Except for not. Don't ask why I know this, but professionally, arm wrestling tables have, have like the, a the grip, a grip, a grip, so you can like get yeah. leverage. But it's just so bizarre. But we're not even there. I can no. feel like we're getting ahead of ourselves again. I mean, th- this paragraph is not going in much longer. It just says after much toying with his opponent, the doppelganger wins. Oh, okay. So they're actually in that scene already. I yeah. thought I thought we had this set up and then we come back to the Oh no no no. Oh okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Um Yeah, it's it's great. They're back and forth. The starting position is really I much love more comfortable. This and the look on it and, and the look on Ray's face during all of this when he realizes like Oh fuck! He's just toying with this guy, and I'm fucked. Mm-hmm. It's it's incredible. It's really fun to watch everybody do it to like watch the crowd like figure out what's going on because you don't really get it at first because everything he he's doing is like making him go into the weaker spot, mm-hmm. I guess. So he's like, "Oh, this hurts. This hurts even more." Don't you? Does, think? Doesn't doesn't this? Hurt? Yeah, it's uh it's wonderful. It's and the guy's still just trying his ass off to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um. So he toys with his po- opponent for a while. Eventually, wins mm-hmm. in a dramatic fashion because he. I like that he like winds up. Well, for yeah, it. he breaks his arm. Does he break it, his arm? I couldn't. There's tell. a sound effect okay. of it. Um, and then he kills him with a punch to the face, like you yep. do. Which the special effect on it is brutal. Oh, like yeah. you can see his face like collapse. Collapse it. Yeah. It's awful. The, here, I have one question about this. The strength in this scene, though, is like. Have we ever seen Mr. C or any Bob-related character show any superhuman strength like this? Like, the fact that he's not even, like, straining to go back. To, like, right. It's very mechanical. This is, this is weak. And is he really that strong? And when you get into, like, when Maddie gets killed. <coughs> Excuse me. When Maddie gets killed or... Things like that. Is is he coming in with that much force when he's hitting the person? Or is he still using the strength of Leland Palmer to do it? Or using the strength of the vessel that he's occupying? Or is this somehow this where this superhuman strength, mm-hmm. where does it come from? Because this I feel like this yeah, right. feels like the only scene where we actually see this strength delivered on a level that's beyond human human and that's noticeable to the people around him yeah to a guy who's undefeated Mm -hmm. in an incredible arm wrestle um, arm wrestler to lose that badly and it just seems it's strange and to punch a guy in the face and his whole face collapses right that's yeah i it's strange uh i'm strapped to think of a time that we see right bob do anything that's supernatural beyond just like appearing and disappearing things like that but yeah. like he tends to uh, have to conform to our physics like mm-hmm. he isn't mm-hmm. he can't float he can't like crawl on the ceiling like he right is pretty earthbound so yeah that's interesting I hadn't thought it because like you kind of know inherently that Mr. C is like yeah. magical in some way um, but yeah no that's an interesting uh, an interesting point have you have I told you this story of um the the arm wrestling story 
at Diversity Rock and Bowl. Have I ever told you this story? Is it going to involve somebody breaking their arm? Because I don't want to hear it. I'm going to tell it. And uh. yes, it does. So I, there's a place. I had some friends who worked there. She was bar manager. We used to go to Diversity River Bowl at once a week. They actually made a short documentary about it, about our crew who went to Diversity River Bowl every Monday night for punk rock bowling. Um, but there was this guy who used to go there all the time. And he was there every week. Several times in between the week, but he was always there for punk rock bowling. And then just stopped showing up for a while. Um, people started asking around. And then apparently they... So while they were there, he... Someone challenged him. They arm wrestling. And his arm broke. Mm-hmm. The guy, like they... It, exactly how you think. He just hyperextended it and he broke his arm. <sighs> um, brutal and whatever but then they kind of just stopped seeing him after that and they thought like i guess he just is embarrassed and doesn't want to come back several months later he comes back in and he's missing his arm and what bartender friend of mine people are talking they're like what the fuck what happened where's apparently the guy had broken his arm and then to the point where he went in and had to get surgery on it uh-huh. and somebody botched the surgery and it got infected and then he had to go back in and have his arm severed from like like above just, a, just above the elbow. Oh my, how? Isn't that insane? If you're the guy who he was arm wrestling with, yeah, just how f- terrible do you Fucking dudes fooling around at a bar and like uh, from what I heard, it was, this is like fourth removed from me you know Mm -hmm. what i mean of like people i know and whatever so there's a 40 percent chance it's a fake story no because i i've seen this guy i think i I know the guy they're talking i mean yeah i suppose it could be but i i know my friend's cousin definitely i know some of the people involved and yeah i'm sure it was exaggerated and you know big fished in some way Oh, he fucking, like, apparently they, the guy who did it, like, they had talked and the guy's like, none of this is your fault. Mm -hmm. This is on the the medical, like, you didn't sever my arm. Right. I could have broken my arm any fucking number of ways. Mm -hmm. We were all fucking drunk, stupid teenage, you know, we're not Mm -hmm. teenagers, we're older than that at that point, but like, drunk idiots. Right. We, anything could have happened. That I don't, like... It, obviously, I'm getting you know I'm taking the doctors to oh, court. Oh, of course, and all that, that guy shit. does not have to work ever sure. again. But yeah, just what the fuck? Can you imagine? That is a horrifying yeah. twist of fate. Um. Okay, so but check out Monday Night at the Rock and Bowl if you can find it anywhere. Like on our DVD shelf. Yep, it's there. I think it might be. It could be on YouTube or something. Live Mice Films made it. Yeah. Um, so because Mr. C murdered a guy, he's the new leader of the group. Which so. doesn't mean anything because he didn't even want that. He nope. specifically says, if I win, all I want is Ray. But yeah, that's just how it goes. You kill the king and you're the new king. Mm-hmm. Fucking watch your back, man. Um, so he asks to be left alone with Ray. And because he is the leader, this request is granted mm-hmm. um he shoots ray in the leg um and then he's trying to and get then ray is in pain sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> and then sometimes just super cash yeah <laughs> just, just like, leaning back like, on his yeah, elbows propped up on his arms like hey man it's cool <laughs> like it's it's such a bizarre scene 
And then don't forget about the weird fucking necktie sweater vest accountant guy who's like, do you need any money? Who the fuck is this guy? It is... I I don't know. I don't... This whole scene just felt like we left the universe right? for a second. Like, and we did. This is the only thing that takes place in Montana. Mm, Montana is a different planet. I don't know if I told you this. <laughs> right? But like... The commute was brutal. We literally left all the places we're familiar with mm-hmm. to go to this place for this weird shit to happen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's... And like Western Montana is extraordinarily big because Mon- like Western right? Montana is the size of New England. <laughs> like it's it's gigantic. so strange. Um, I mean, that's where Missoula is, which is a landmark in the yeah. Twin Peaks, Peaks and where David Lynch is from. Sure. Um. So he uh, so he's trying to figure out why there was a hit on him. Um. So this guy confesses that. Philip Jeffries um, contracted him to to kill Mr. C. He says that Jeffries sent him after uh, Mr. C said he had, quote, something inside that he wants. Um, Ray takes out our green owl cave ring. Mm-hmm. Um, he said he was supposed to put it on him after killing on him. Coop, on yes, Mr. Mr. C. C. Mm-hmm. Um, Ray said that a mysterious prison guard gave it to him before he was released, a prison guard he never had seen before, but... Apparently, this man does not ask questions Which, about anything. Yeah, is to me reads like a boldface lie. Oh yeah, like that's not where he got it. Oh, you don't think? Oh, oh I assume he was like messengered in, and like one of their shady guys like threw in a uniform, slipped in. Oh no, I I think it absolutely oh. came directly from Philip Jeffries. Oh, <clears throat> excuse me, that's in. Oh, I didn't connect that. I mean, or somehow like. If he's in contact with Philip Jeffries, mm-hmm. he's in contact with some weird shit. This sure. didn't come to him from some guard at the mm. place that we were just both at together. You know what I mean? Like, but he said like it's all a just guard a... I've never I never saw before or since. So yeah. to me, that just somebody dressed up, put this thing on, dropped it off, and ran. Yeah, it just his delivery of it feels like he's mm. okay. a liar about it. I don't I don't know. I mean, that just might be my reading, but. Sure. Um, so, uh, so Mr. C tells Ray to put it on and says your fourth finger in your left hand. Mm-hmm. So like your wedding ring finger. Um, meanwhile, Richard Horn joins the group. How, what, where did he come from? Um, they watch Ray hand over the coordinates. Um, Ray shares Jeffrey's last known location, which is a place called the Dutchman's, which is non-existent as far as we know i know it that's what he says to him, yeah. basically but also what i a thing i found weird was he pulls the coordinates out of his pocket written on a piece of paper um ray does mm-hmm. and then he specifically says when they're driving before before ray shoots him when they're driving in that lawn scene where he's got the stupid app where he's like beep pop boop we're done <laughs> Tracker, that app. um he specifically says, like, you know what I want. You know what I'm after. And he's like, yeah, I've got it. I memorized it. In order to give himself leverage. Like, you can't kill me because then you lose this information. Right. Right. And then he gets there. He f- catches up to him. And he's like, oh, I just got it here in my pocket. <laughs> like, with no fucking qualms about giving it to him. Like, it, it, nor did, it's, yeah. it's, this, it's all so, like, 
everything that happens here is so weird. I it Ray feels like he's just utterly full of shit. Like I, you wonder almost like who is Ray? Mm-hmm. It's it's all so fucking bizarre. Yeah. Um, and so he he has the ring on. Mister C kills him dead, which was. And again, another alarming. one of those were like shoots the guy in his head and oh slaps down. God, like, it's so brutal. Yeah. Um, and then we see the ring disappear from his finger. It appears on the floor of the red room. Um, and then, and then Ray shows up in the red room. Mm-hmm. And then Mike, Mike is still hanging out in the red room. That's just where he's been for the last couple episodes. Chilling. Um, and he puts the ring on its pedestal. Yeah. What does that mean? You just said it. All right, moving on. I, 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 I genuinely, I still don't have a strong grasp theory idea of the meaning of the ring it seems sometimes it's a source of redemption at the end of fire walk with me like Mm -hmm. laura puts it on and it's helpful for her it seems like sometimes it's evil and bad it seems like it's strange it's very weird and it doesn't seem yeah like you said it kind of doesn't symbolize anything in particular it's just more of a generalized yeah like it's the only thing i i kind of come back to in some way is that it's some type of connection or keys to the lodge is black lodge white Mm. lodge and it's somehow like like a fast pass to get there almost Mm. do you know what i mean and whether that means going to a good lodge or a bad lodge or whatever but it's you know and maybe it makes a difference of did i who put it on i put it on did you put it on and like like what mindset were you in? Right. Where did the well, ring come from? Because they the talk owner? about like fear and love open the doors. So like, it, is it like a mood ring like that? Like it enhances, like you have to be mm. in, or like the, they talk about like, if you don't enter with the un- imperfect courage, it'll utterly decimate your soul or whatever. Right. It, it, a similar idea. If you are seeking salvation when you put this on mm. and you were truly repentant or whatever, like mm-hmm. something like that, then you will be granted that serenity sure. or not. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. It just, it's, it's strange. And I've, I never really, cause it's in the book and the secret history of Twin Peaks, it, it seems like a, an evildoer. Like it, it, yeah. it fucks with people, like it, like a Lord of the Rings almost, like it fucks with your mind. Oh, yeah. Like it, it seems evil in that sense. It's, it's yeah. super strange. Oh, that's kind of an interesting concept that, cause though, finally we stumbled on some fiction that I know about because no. the one, <laughs> the one, I'm ra- surprised you didn't no. make any connections with that, you know. I, I, pers- cause did you notice that they're both rings? The twin what? Pe- the Owl Cave Ring and the one from Lord of the Rings. Both rings. Wait, he's Lord of that ring? Uh-huh. Dang. Uh, no, but the, the one ring is, it basically like enhances your will and need for power and mm-hmm. your ability to, to do what you have to do to get that power. Except for... Like on Frodo, the reason he could carry it is because he was pure of heart, and even that didn't like ultimately save right. him. But I, I cannot remember off the top of my my head if it was hobbits in general or Frodo especially. But but that was the whole thing. It's like he's wholesome, and so it will be 
Not that he can't be corrupted, but it'll be mm-hmm. much harder to. Whew, love getting to talk about Lord of the Rings. Um, so, okay, so de- the detectives Fusco <laughs> look over the results of the Dougie Jones fingerprints um, as an altercation takes place in the next room. Um, the report confirms that Dougie is a former FBI agent I and recently escaped from scene. South Dakota prison. I love the fact that, like, what, three, four episodes ago, they set up this whole, like, mini sting operation to, like, sneak him a new cup of coffee so I can take the old one and we can... Oh, uh-huh. I'm already here waiting. I got the evidence bag. We're going to get his fingerprints. And, like, the same way we saw the interview clips on the street and we're like, oh, somebody's going to see that footage and recognize Doug Jones. They're going to see this and be like oh, this is Agent Cooper, and then they're going to find him and somebody's going to snap him out of it. And they immediately are just like, that's so fucking wrong. (laughs) What a fucking stupid mistake that is. Literally crumble it up and be like, fuck this. It's just such a great, like, you think they're planning this, like, oh, route to Cooper's Uh big comeback, and they're like, fuck you. Idiots. It's so good. Like, I grant you they're, are they FBI agents, or are they just regular detectives? These are just detectives, like local. Um, But, like, granted, they as detectives should maybe have done, like, the tiniest bit of legwork, but if that thing says he broke out of a prison in South Dakota yesterday, and we've been with this dude for five days, and we are in Las Vegas, I have no problem with them being like, somebody made a mistake, I simply cannot be bothered to find out who or why. Right. Well, and then, like, and not only that, he's this, it seems like... I don't even know where to begin with how wrong this is. And also, is. like, the stakes could not be lower. This right. guy, they don't care. Yeah, this yeah. guy is He's no clear present threat to anybody. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know. And, yeah. you know, frankly, I'd rather the police just fuck off once in a while than, like, just go shoot random people. So I encourage this kind of behavior from mm-hmm. our police. Mm-hmm. You get an arrest warrant? Fuck it. <laughs> Oops. Um, okay, we ha- but I feel like this is a, a, one of the examples of several scenes in this episode that are setting something up, and then they're just like, <laughs> like there's a lot of like pulling the rug out from under you. Uh-huh. Like this is oh cl- oh they got the fingerprints cool we're gonna go here no no we're not fuck you, and then like others like we're here oh this is the thi- oh nope fuck you <laughs> like I feel like they do that a bunch in this mm-hmm. episode. Um, meanwhile, Sinclair comes in uh, to see the two detectives he's been committing. Wait. Meanwhile, Sinclair comes in to see the two detectives he's been committing fraud with, looking for poison. Sorry, that sen- did that sentence make sense when I said it out loud? Because it didn't make I sense mean, in my brain. I mean, not as a grammatical sentence, but he went outside to get poison. Yeah, he went. Yeah, to see the detectives and ask about getting poison. Yeah. Right. But presumably, these are the detectives that. The when Cooper was going through the case files, when Dougie was going through the case files, and he was like circling detective names. One of them we mentioned was Loomis. I don't remember what the other name was. Oh, it was because um, it's something. It was it Clark. Yes. Was it Clark? Because that the one he talks to the the detective he talks to was Agent Clark. So if the, the detectives that were circled in those things are Clark and Loomis, uh-huh. then these are the ones that were referred to earlier in the Case Files episode. Right. Um, but either way, he goes outside, meets this shady cop who's 
out back smoking, pretending to be Harvey Keitel, mm-hmm. um, and asks him about how to get poison, and he's like, "What? The, you got to pay me a shitload of money for it." And he's like, "What do you hate me?" <laughs> and it's like just such a yeah, it's such a bizarre interaction but it sets up what he's doing in the next scene well and it's like (laughs) the arc of this man's character goes from like as like he's obviously a scammer he doesn't Mm -hmm. give a fuck he's pretty hard-nosed and then within the episode he (laughs) just dissolves into a puddle yeah and me like as soon as any pressure is put on him he cracks it's Mm -hmm. almost impressive how bad he is at keeping secrets or following through um i just it all got i think it's a, li- a little bit realistic in the sense that it this is for this is a guy who's a white collar guy mm-hmm. got involved with some wrong people because he wanted to like oh if we if I get basically it seems like the scam is I go investigate these claims the detectives call it arson or call it whatever mm-hmm. and then oh we don't get like paid out and then we can collect like it's just a big scam for him to make money, right? I right. I don't know exactly. Like I'm not an insurance guy. I don't. Yeah, so it's, no insurance fraud or how to do it. But, like so much white collar crime, right? It, 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 it's very easy to justify. Nobody's actually getting right. hurt. All that, and stuff. that's who this guy is. And then when it turns into people are gonna die. I have to kill one of them. It's somebody I know. Not interested it's, in this. It's just like, oh, fuck, this is spiraling so far out of my control. Mm-hmm. And there's a little bit of honesty to that. Yeah. And it, when he when he gets to his confession scene later and stuff, and he's like, I haven't been sleeping in weeks. Yeah. Like, it isn't just like this happened all of a sudden. It's just I, the levy fucking broke. Right. Uh, and then we have a little interstitial scene with Hutch and Chantal discussing Mormons. <laughs> Right, which also means they're in Utah. No, they say they're in they Utah? say they're in Utah. They say a sign for Provo. Oh, um, where the fuck are they? Where are they going? We, exactly. Like, where did they start? They were in. Wait, were they in South Dakota? They were in South Dakota because that's where they killed. That's where they just were, because that's where they killed uh-huh. the warden. So if you're heading from South Dakota to Las Vegas, you're going to end up going through Utah. Okay. Okay. So yeah, so they're going to Vegas. Because I did the drive from basically Missoula to to Las Vegas, mm-hmm. and I had two options, and one of them would have been to skirt through Utah. Sure. I, did, I didn't do that, though. But then, yeah, so then they have the, like... I just the dumb segue of Utah Mormons, <laughs> and then like, yeah. Did you know they can't do this? They don't. They don't smoke. They don't drink. They don't. They don't coffee. even drink Coca Cola. Yeah, they don't even. But they don't have sex, sex before, before marriage. marriage. Yeah, but when they do get married, they can have six or ten wives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like. Okay, six or ten. It's just, just such a weird... Which is another strong example of how the patriarchy affects our language because they say Mormons in general, but when he's like, yeah, but when Mormons get married, they get six or ten wives, which means he can, when he's thinking of a human, he's thinking of a Mormon himself. man. Well, I mean, he's thinking of himself. Uh, like he's thinking that's from what his own all men are thinking about. Oh, of course. <laughs> that's patriarchy. <laughs> but, yeah, that's not untrue. But, mm-hmm. yeah. Um... Okay, anything else on that scene? That was And technically 
the women get sister wives, so they also have six or ten wives. Okay. <laughs> so Janie E. takes Cooper to work in his new car. Uh, Sinclair waits nervously for Dougie. And, like, this is a moment of, like, she doesn't care that, like, he can't. He, she's unbuckling a seatbelt. Mm-hmm. She has to close the door for him, and she's still just like, <laughs> "We got a new car." Yeah, but we we apparently it passed over it because the the scene of Sunny Jim playing in the thing. Oh yeah, I'm. So, I just saw Janie E in one paragraph, so I assumed that was the Sunny Jim. Like that's why I was saying when we were jumping into the arm wrestling scene, I was like, the Sunny Jim stuff that I thought was before that, which I don't have anything particular to say about that scene. Okay, but it's fucking off like the way like what kind of jungle gym lights up like that yeah the light up stuff is what's weird. with the big arc with the rotating lights it's where's the fuck is that spotlight coming from uh-huh. the only times we see spotlights it looks like a haunted carnival yeah and the, but the only times we've seen spotlights are shining on bob or the little man and it's strange and the giant gets a spotlight. Or gi- the giant. But otherworldly uh-huh. figures. Um, it's, it's, just, why, wh- it's so surreal looking. Mm-hmm. It's so strange. It, it, I, I think the way I would describe it is just unfamiliar. It looks like no yeah. kind of gym set I've ever seen. It looks like no jungle gym, no like, even like a big, at a big public, public park. It sure. looks like, it looks deeply unfamiliar as a plaything for it's, children. It's, yeah, and especially like, sometimes it's hard to tell because they cast kids older mm-hmm. to play younger or whatever, but like, that kid just seems way too old for a jungle yeah, gym. Yeah, like you put like an eight or you know, like a six year old in a jungle gym, not like especially because it's just like a run across this bridge, right? And he's just like doing laps on this shit. Yeah. Like, oh, that's one, what toddlers one do. One bounce on a fucking mini trampoline. Like, it's so off. Yeah, it's odd. But I like it. I I find it interesting. It's fun to look at. It's mm-hmm. like hypnotizing. Mm-hmm. Um, so Sinclair is waiting for Dougie. Um, he takes him in to get coffee, which I loved when they sat down in this coffee. It went from being like kind of a slick modern um, uh, office building to all of a sudden this like really cozy little diner with like really old fashioned mugs, the kind that have like the round handle instead of like a regular handle that we would have. Um, it just looks very old fashioned, and and the um, waitress was also wearing like a diner dress, yeah. which I'm genuinely not sure if I've ever seen a woman wear one of those in real life. Besides, it like when we went R. to the double R, yeah. Um, and the, that was only because people are dressing up. The, the, the double R uniform is not that. Did they? Oh, okay. Or, or like remember. tweeds. The uniform is not tweeds. That. Yeah. Um. So. And so Sinclair is like, oh, let's get some coffee. And then so they sit down, they get their coffee. Cooper takes a sip with two hands like he always mm-hmm. does, is delighted by the coffee. And then also like just sort of gets distracted and gets up and he leaves the table. He sees the cherry pie in the window. Oh, I didn't even think he saw it. I thought he was just like pulled toward it. And oh, then, I mean, yeah, same. <laughs> um, which is really handy for Sinclair because he takes this opportunity to poison Dougie's drink. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I actually genuinely... He does like the bad 
pulls the thing, puts, and then when he's pushing it back, does like the yeah. uh, yeah. stretch, yeah, looking around, and like no one's there, no one's paint, no one cares, yeah. no one's looking. Like, um, it's like how when you were younger, like you would like sneak in a box of candy into the movie theater and like try to be all secretive about it. Is somebody's like, gonna snitch on you? The fucking sixteen-year-old who ripped your ticket doesn't give a shit. Yeah. Um. So Cooper and I actually genuinely liked this waitress for some reason. Mm-hmm. It, she's it, adorable. Like she's, she. They're going for the same. This was Shelley in kind the kind of warmth. Yeah, you know, like this is. Yeah, it just read to me as like once in a while. You know, we both waited tables for a long time, and once in a while, like it was a really nice job. You just have a job of like, oh, I'm just bringing people food, and they're very grateful and they're kind to me, and like that's kind of what she felt like. Of like. Hey, you look like you want pie. I'm gonna bring Costa Town. I'm gonna bring you some pie. It just felt yeah. very like mm-hmm. homey, and I liked that. Um, Which seems like another one of those. Oh, we're gonna get Cooper back. Mm-hmm. Like this is gonna be his trigger. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, nope. No. And so <laughs> another Cooper misdirection. wanders back toward the table and starts brushing dandruff off Sinclair's jacket. <laughs> Not even brushing. It's just like touching. Touch. Like what is this? I, I'm I'm interested in this. Is he? Is it that he thought it was, like, sugar, like, on the top of a pie? Like, why would he... I think it just... I I see something that's fuzzy-ish. I want to touch it, you know? Like, the same way... Like, he doesn't know what it... doesn't... Can't comprehend what it is, and Mm -hmm. it just... But enough where he wanted to just put his hand on... The same way he wants to just touch things. Yeah, 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 that's... He just... But I feel like usually when he touches things, it's, like, a shiny something. Sure. This was just... Random, but it also like it was bright in there. It was Mm -hmm. kind of like reflective of light in a sense. Like there's either way, but he doesn't do much with it. He just kind of puts his fingers on his shoulder, Mm -hmm. and that was enough for Sinclair to just break break down. Um, He immediately gets up, gets a poisoned coffee, and walks away. Dougie is not completely nonplussed. Yeah, grabs that guy's, grabs Sinclair's coffee. There's still one here. I'm good. Mm, starts eating his, he gets his pie and he digs in um Sinclair pours the coffee into a urinal and throws the cup in the trash and comes out and tearfully apologizes to Dougie but there's the guy in the bathroom too that bad huh <laughs> like there's like that some of the the arm muscling scene there's moments in this that feel like straight up sitcom mm-hmm like yeah. that bit is straight out of fucking yeah, whatever sitcom like oh that bad huh like it's so absurd um, so we cut back to the Double R Diner, uh, which is a fun transition, and Shelly gets a phone call from Becky. Um, she says that Steven's been absent for two days, uh, she's worried about him, and she has this, like, she's so upset, and Shelly's like, oh, I'm sure it's fine, and she's like, what if you mm-hmm. came down here and I gave you some cherry pie? And immediately she's like, yup, <laughs> problem solved. It's, 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 it's healing, it really is, and... Again, another instance where, like, okay, a crying Becky, where is this going to go? Mm. We're about to go off on this thing with Steve. Oh, nope, she's going to come it's get over. a slice of pie and everything's good. <laughs> like, it's just everything is set up a scene. Like, it feels like it's like an improv scene almost where, like, someone sets up a scene and the other person's like, no, 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 fuck that, we're going to do this. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, like, but. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's so straight, but like, yeah, again, another example of like, oh, they're setting up this new mm-hmm. s- piece of drama. Mm-hmm. No, let's stop it. Yeah, that's done. So we go back to to Vegas, where Sinclair tearfully confesses his activity 
activities with Todd. He thanks Dougie for showing him the right path. Mullins does a fun monologue about how, like... I don't know. What did he say? I used to, I was so uh, angry with you, but since you've confessed, I'm a little less, you mm-hmm. know, whatever. I, I just love the things Dougie, like again, sitcom-y, the things Dougie chooses to, to repeat, repeat in yeah. this episode. Even like uh, one of them, I don't like, you know, confess. It's, you know, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm about to, Dougie. Thank you. <laughs> like, so like, and then he's like, even, he says one where he's like, he he skips a word and says Dougie this whatever it was mm. in order to make it sound like an actual response like it's it's <laughs> silly the things he the things that he does to like confess right yeah. okay so we n- now ping pong back to the double R diner um, where Bobby walks in and I don't mean to be crass but every time Bobby walks in I'm like God damn he's so handsome <laughs> he. He's so fucking handsome. He aged very well. Like, so well. Um, And he uh, sits at the counter. He orders his usual. Yeah. Yeah, I'll take the usual. And then it's a waitress we don't know. No. Um, And then he uh, walks over to say hi to Big Ed. Big Ed is sitting at Norma's booth with her. She's working on paperwork. He... We don't really hear what they're talking about or what yeah, they're doing. They're just, just sitting quietly. But you see Big Ed and Norma together, and this is a again. Oh, so excited let's, to see it. Let's tee up this scene uh-huh. where we've got Big Ed and Norma together. Ooh, Yay. boy! Because we've also we've seen Nadine a few times, mm-hmm. but we haven't seen Nadine with Big Ed. Mm-hmm. Maybe Ed and Nadine mm-hmm. got together in this twenty-five year gap, uh, like. And so they very much like, oh, come sit with us. No, I don't want to bother you. No, 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 no. Don't eat alone. Sit with us. Yeah, what is the line? There's a great line. Did you write it down? I think so. Of, it's no good eating alone or something like that. Yeah. And I, I, I just, I thought that was a good line. It's no good eating alone. Mm-hmm. I, I just, especially when there's people around, come on in. Yeah, like, yeah, it's, yeah. It was just very friendly and inviting. Yeah. And it was such like kind of an old small town way of saying very much it's so. i love it just it was a, a well-scripted line i mm-hmm. thought so he told uh bobby tells uh and norma that he found some stuff is, of his father's um and then um a new character his, his name is walter lawford uh he shows up and, and punches the audience right in the breaking gut. the heart of everybody here <sighs> norma gets up and greets him with a kiss on the lips, and they are obviously romantically involved with and each other. And you can other. see, if you wa- depending on who you're watching that scene, you can see it. It still hurts Ed when he sees it. It still shit. hurts me, Michael. Yeah. yeah. Um. So. And so he sits. <laughs> and, and so, and then somehow before he walks in, Bobby gets his food. So apparently, I I don't I don't know why Mikey is obsessed with diner spaghetti. <laughs> I don't know why Bobby's usual. Is a fucking plate of spaghetti. Who gets spaghetti at a diner? <laughs> like as their usual, and it's not even like gourmet. Like it looks like the shit you can make at home when oh, you're twelve. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like a shitty piece of garlic bread thrown on the top. Uh-huh. Like, how is that Bobby's regular? Like your regular at a diner is a fucking a tuna a burger, melt. a fucking club sandwich, yeah. a tuna melt of even like. Oh, you've got like chicken fried steak. Yeah. Or you've got, you know, meatloaf or steak and eggs or some 
There are diner staples, many of them. And spaghetti. I don't think spaghetti has it. ever been on a diner menu. It's And it's funny. I don't know if I would have necessarily clocked it if you hadn't pointed it out, but it is weird looking. And also, it's just on like a flat just on a plate. plate. I don't know it, why it that It looks bothered. like they, they needed to have them bring in some food. They didn't want to plate a thing, so let's uh, just throw some spaghetti and that's easy to recreate. Do you think they just snagged it from, like, craft services? (laughs) I would hope that they have better food at that craft (laughs) services, but Um, I just, it always hit me as strange. Yeah, it's very odd. Um, And And that's just usual. Like, that's the thing. So funny. If it's like, you know what, I want some spaghetti, sure. Mm -hmm. Probably wouldn't do it, but the fact that his usual is a fucking shitty plate of spaghetti. And it's just spaghetti and marinara sauce, and there's no way that sauce is good in any way. There's not even fucking meatballs. Yeah. Like, oh, Norma makes the best meatballs. Which is a thing. Right. (laughs) Right. No. It's just shitty spaghetti and a half a piece of garlic bread on the top. It's so odd. Um, so, uh, Ed and Bobby understand that Walter is going to want to talk business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he gives him a little, the old tap on the show. That's, that's, that's yeah. what it sounds like. Um, so Ed and Bobby move to another booth. Ed ends up sitting two booths behind yeah. him, but facing Norma still right and up against the every wall. Every time you get a, a reverse shot of Walter right over his shoulder is Big Ed just... He's out of focus, you know. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a a longer lens, but but he's just you can tell his face is just it's he's not he's not looking over at Bobby. Uh-uh. He's staring at that booth the entire time, just heartbroken. Yeah, it's very oh, sad, and it hurts. So then we get our next anti-capitalist uh, little scene from from our friends Frost and Lynch. Um, so we learn now that. Um, Norma has franchised out mm-hmm. the double R as Norma's double R. Um, and the franchises are doing quite well, which is great news. Restaurants are very hard to get off the ground. Um, but he notices a an inconsistency in the profitability of these restaurants, and that is this location. In mm-hmm. the flagship location, they are their profit margins are not strong. And we, through this conversation, we learn, okay, Norma has provided her recipes to everybody. It's really important for her that the quality is maintained. Like, this was, this was obviously part of the agreement of, if we're going to franchise mm-hmm. it, it is going to stay the quality that you will get here. And so, while that technically is true, he rather shadily is like, well, but they can use their own discretion with what ingredients they want to yeah. get. So now we learn, okay, so they're using shitty ingredients. And Norma says it's come back to her that the quality of the, pl- the pies elsewhere is not as good as the, mm-hmm. the ones here, which she's clearly not happy about. She's a person who takes a great deal she of pride. She seems like someone who didn't want to diversify at all. She didn't want to... This was his ideal, yeah, 12,000%. I'm actually very curious to know the the timeline the order of events yeah. of like did she start dating him and then whatever or did he come pitch this franchise yeah and then they took they a started str- dating yeah. Yeah. and then oh okay yeah i'll do it now um so he's saying that at the double r they sell the pies too cheap um and he suggests that she needs to change the name to norma's double r to make it part of the which franchise. is what the other ones are yeah um, she does not approve of it. She says it's been the double R for 50 years. Mm-hmm. Not interested in changing it. Um, and so they kind of put it to bed. And she seems... 
She gives it in this way that feels like she's said this before. Yes. Like you always, you're constantly asking me, I don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. Stop. Mm -hmm. But she's just too nice. Well, and it's, yeah, it's Norma's niceness kind of being taken advantage of again, Mm -hmm. just like it was for her first husband. And it seems like Ed is the only person who, uh, who is romantically interested in her and likes her the way she is and wants nothing from her besides her love yeah um which is horribly romantic um so they kind of agree to disagree um and they go out to celebrate the rest of the success of the franchise and we see ed wistfully seeing them go um so yes and then mikey my the noise mikey made while watching this scene (laughs) Is that <laughs> just every once in a while? I just hear, <laughs> and it's just whenever Ed made a particularly like sad face. Yeah. Mikey's really connected to Big Ed. I I love Big like Big Big Ed is my spirit animal. Mm-hmm. Like if I could be any fictional character, like Big Ed's my goal. I would I would love to be Big Ed. So should I marry a violent criminal? If you want. I don't understand. That doesn't. Well, because if you were Big Ed, the woman you're in love with, me, it, it was doesn't married mean to... you have to be the other person who's. You said you wanted to be Big Ed. I'm just trying to help you be Big mm. Ed, okay? And if it means I have to fuck a guy who eats Domino's, so be it. Domino's the plain piece, not the pizza we had earlier. <laughs> I'm a little embarrassed to admit that we had Domino's for dinner. So, this scene, like you said, is. Um, anti-capitalist or whatever like Mm -hmm. you said but one further I think this is a direct um, calling out of Showtime Mm. I I suspect based on the things that are said in it that this was written in that hiatus of uh, so they announced Twin Peaks was coming back. Oh, uh-huh. They were going to be filming there. And then they shut down production for a while because... Because Lynch won Final Cut. We, th- Yeah, and all sorts of things like that. Mm. But they weren't willing to give certain... And I think it was impositions that Showtime was trying to put on. Mm-hmm. And they were like, no, then we're not going to do it. That's not what Twin Peaks... Is. So all those little things like the f- Twin <sighs> Peaks, The Return, yeah. that's Showtime. Yeah, that's not... That's like, Norma's double R. Mm-hmm. That I think is a direct correlation. This isn't like Lynch has always said. This is this is not. If you're going to call it anything, it's season three. Yeah. But this is just a continuation of Twin Peaks, yeah. the story. Yeah. That's the title, yeah. not Twin Peaks: The Return. Right. This isn't. And then it's just all told in parts. This isn't. Oh, this episode is called this. Right. That's not. I. He's not interested in that. Mm. This is just Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. And I think. Every t- you know, all all of those things are directly correlated. I think they're calling out just like I'm. We're not worried about the money that this makes. I, this is an art project. If yeah. you don't want to be part of that, we don't have to make it with you. Right? Like, I wonder if I had to wager a guess, and this is rampant speculation, but I wonder if Showtime tried to strong arm David Lynch into filming in southern california on sets and he was like possibly i mean no no, no. we're going back there's to- also connection to the old series too when shit like that like yeah. i mean they did that because of convenience and also sure, of but like all the stuff where like 
you're forcing me to reveal a killer. We didn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. The, the, it's This is an assault, and this is maybe not entirely Showtime mm-hmm. pointed, but it's the, all of the studios, the, machine. Yeah. the <laughs> machine that is trying to dictate what Twin Peaks is, how to do it, how to deliver it. We know what's best for you. Well, we want to make it as streamlined as pro- and profitable as yeah. possible. And, and he's like, no, 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 I don't, I don't give care. A shit if this ma- like, I understand you need to make your money back, but I don't care if it's a success for David Lynch if you make one penny in profit. Right. You didn't take a loss on this. Right. Then we can work together. Like he doesn't, like he's not caring to make more money mm-hmm. out of it. Yeah. Um, all right, so we go across the street, kind of, to uh, Nadine's shop. Run silent, yeah. run drape. Run uh, silent, run drapes. That is a reference to cotton balls. Well, that the silent drape runners, obviously. But there's there's a, a film called Run Silent, Run Deep. Ah. So yeah, so Run Silent, Run Drapes is a reference to Run Silent, Run. Nope. Run- Oh, Run Silent Run. Yeah, Run Silent Run Deep. Deep. Which was an old Robert Wise movie. Robert Wise. What I don't know is if Robert Wise is related to Ray, Ray Wise. Wise. That I don't know. Huh. Could be. I, I have no idea. But Robert Wise um, made uh, West Side Story. Yeah. With Beamer and Tamblin. Yeah, so yeah. So, like, it's all kind of. Yeah, with Jerome. Ro- he you know, and Jerome Robbins. Uh, directed yeah, it together. But, I, God, I hope I remember that right. I can double check. But yeah, so that's what the store name is a reference to, though. What I what I think is funny, though, is that like they named the store Run Silent Run Drapes. And I get the impression that like Lynch saw this and was like, like Run Silent Run Deep. As though it's it's as though it's Jurassic Park or this movie that's like on everybody's radar. You know what I mean? Like, like everybody knows this. Like, and yes, I'm sure it was a very popular movie in the 50s when it came out or whatever. But it's not like it hasn't transcended no. to being like one of this iconic movie right. that everybody knows. Right. It, it isn't in the zeitgeist. <laughs> yeah, I've never heard of it till this moment. Yeah. So anyway, so Nadine is in her um in. Is this her store or her home? I think it's the like a back office okay. of the store. Because she comes in being saying we're closed. Oh, when yeah. When he's yeah. buzzing. Uh, and so all of a sudden, Dr. But she's G- there and she gets to the door. So right. I think she, it's just like the back office. I get the impression that like the store closes at seven. Mm-hmm. And then it's seven o'clock. Do you, so that's like when she watches her stories oh, or whatever. Oh, yeah. That's a fun concept of but, like she makes time every day right. or every week or whatever right. to see what Dr. Jacoby's up to. So Jacoby shows up. Uh, he sees one of the shovels or he drives by, sees one of the shovels in the window, aggressively reverses, and, which genuinely. And it's doing the, the drapes are <laughs> constantly opening and closing silently, which I think is just like. Which I genuinely can relate to this so hard because if I was like anywhere in the universe and I saw somebody with like a friendly atheist sticker I would just like run up to the car like hey it's me I'm Jessica or a Cooper Cooper Duper sticker because we don't even have stickers we don't have stickers we do sell friendly atheist stickers is why I use that example but if somebody (laughs) just walked around yelling Cooper Duper by all means Michael I would run up to them and hug them I, I giving a specific example 
Um, there was over time somebody recognized you from this no, podcast. No, um, I mean not a podcast, but um, when I back in my skateboarding days, the local skate shop was called RQ, mm-hmm. RQ Board Shop, and they would give out stickers. Like you could buy stickers and stuff, but like uh-huh. certain people who went in a lot and regulars and things like that, they would give give out stacks of stickers and just say plaster these up everywhere. And so literally all over the country, like I've seen RQ stickers in Florida, in Colorado, mm-hmm. I've seen RQ all over the place. Like, remember when people used to stick stickers on uh, toll booths? Yeah. All over toll booths, all over the um, the poles for chairlifts. Oh, yeah, skiing, yeah, yeah, snowboarding. Yeah. And so like where you could kind of reach out and give uh-huh. it a little slap and there would be stickers on there. I just... Lampposts. All over the yeah. place. But it's it's wild that this was like a tiny little shop in Naperville, Illinois. Yeah. And internationally, people would post pictures that they saw. It, it was wild. That'd be a fun Instagram. They have... They, oh, do they, they? Yeah, they... It's... It's... RQ Borch, it's the guys who ran it, um, have a shop that, you know, if you see RQ stuff, you can, whatever, mm-hmm. tag them in it and stuff, and they'll reap it. Like, I just posted, like, I found an old snowboard bag and found... A, bu- a bar of unopened snowboard wax which still had like <laughs> oh, 9- yeah, yeah, yeah. 995 at yeah. RQ and I was like oh I wonder what RQ's return policy is on this <laughs> and yeah um so she's thrilled to see Dr. Jacoby at her door um he ex- expresses admiration for the decoration she praises him and his show and they reflect on their last meeting at a supermarket during a storm which is super weird and also <laughs> last time i saw you you were up bent over looking for a potato like is this just shitty old people flirting that's what i think and which in that case it's kind of funny that like it's so awkward but also kind of cute because it's so awkward that yeah. it's like Kind of sexualized, but also what? <laughs> like, like, you just kind of missed the mark a little. Yeah. It's, it's, but she I seemed to it. get, they seemed to be on the same yeah. page. They were happy with the interaction. Yeah, which is, yeah. Ultimately, the only point. Um, and then we cut back to uh, maybe the, for me, the most uh, distressing scene. We see Sarah Palmer in our of house. This episode? Of this or, episode. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. We see Sarah Palmer in her house, and she's watching. What do you think? It was a thirty-second loop. I meant to. I meant to time it. Uh, but uh, I don't think it's that long. No, maybe fifteen, yeah, twenty seconds. I, I would. I would say it's twelve to fourteen seconds ish. So it's a, a a relatively brief loop of a boxing match from the sixties, maybe. Right. It seemed pretty old. Um, I would say even the sixties seems a little late. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't. I was trying to think of like when would a sporting event have been on live TV, and I don't know the history. Oh, it's, of I don't think that. it's live. No, no, of I course mean, it's not Chaplin live. But like, made ha- a boxing movie, and like no, but like this is a live sporting event. This isn't a movie. Oh, I see what you're saying. And so, yeah, like, yeah, at yeah, what yeah. point did they start filming sporting events that she would have access to this tape? Yeah, is, is my thought. But I'm, I, I don't know. I don't profess to know. Um, I mean, they filmed the Olympics and shit. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like. Yeah. Um. So Sarah is still drinking Bloody Marys and does not have Smirnoff at this time. She has a generic yeah, brand super vodka. Cheap, yeah. Um. And uh. But so the she- loop isn't like she's watching a playback. Like no. there's a gzz yeah, and and ding and it kind of resets. Like 
like it feels less like the loop is the TV and more like to me, I think this loop is the timeline. I think I think what we're watching, I think I think timelines at this point after part 8, I think timelines or at least part 8 is what showed us. I think they're splintered timelines. Mm-hmm. And this is showing all sorts of potential splintered timelines. The same thing is happening in every timeline she's doing the same shit Mm -hmm. over and over and over again but yeah I think this is some kind of splinter in space time Um, so she's she finishes the bottle of vodka she goes in the kitchen brings back like kind of a pint yeah with dumps that in yeah and is visibly disappointed but tops it off with a bloody mary mix slam jams it end of scene it's just and it's that couch is looks like it's Ugh. 40 years old it's like the so distressing to me everything about it is just she she's not living a life anymore right she's this is what she and and the last time we saw her she was watching animals maul each other mm-hmm. like she's just watching repeated acts of violence shitty horrific violence on tv mm-hmm. you know boxing and animals eating each other right. like and the ashtrays are all overflowing. She's got so empty bottles cigarettes. of liquor all over the place, like a bunch of pill bottles, uh, some some over the counter, some prescription. But she is absolutely doing everything to avoid living a life. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, and then we go back to Audrey uh, Audrey Horn's house, uh, where she is presumably. Uh, Audrey Horn's location. A space where she is is yeah. currently. Um, she's nearly hysterical. She's demanding that Charlie tells him what Tina told him. So this is basically just picking up right after mm-hmm. the last time we and saw wearing them. And the she's wearing the same thing. She's the same got the thing. same red jacket draped over her arm. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's so upset. She demands... Oh, I don't know to, if he's wearing the same thing. I did not notice. He's also behind a desk, so I didn't... Yeah. Whereas she was... Yeah. Uh, filmed a little bit more. Um, he, so she's like, oh God, I hated this scene. Not hated it, but I was stressed by but it. But this, this. And especially coming off the back of what we just saw with Sarah, it's just mm-hmm. two scenes of like people living these half miserable lives, mm-hmm. not half lives that are miserable, not half miserable, half joyful. Um, but she, uh, it, so she's, I tell me what he said, tell me what he said. And he I, I think it's because he's now sitting on a couch and he doesn't have a desk in front of him. Mm-hmm. He kind of sits back and he crosses his arms mm-hmm. and he does a very therapist-y, mm-hmm. now what do you think? That? And he does the same, like you were talking about last week, like his tone is very low. Even like, well, what is it you want to do? Mm-hmm. Where, Which, you know, and she, she has a line that I love of, um, I feel like I'm somewhere else. I feel like I'm someone else. Uh-huh. Like all of that is the, are the things that lean me towards she's in. This isn't real. She's yeah. in some weird state. Also, they she refers to him as her husband. Neither of them are wearing wedding wedding rings, mm-hmm. which for what it's worth, I mean, not everyone does that right. and any number of things they're potentially getting divorced. Mm-hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean anything, but it's worth noting. Mhm. And you know, and compound that with the fact that we know she's looking for her lover. Sure, sure. Um, but also, like, wants to go and doesn't want to go. Mm-hmm. Like, 
it's it, it feels like the type of thing where like you're trapped in a location. I want to go, but you can't because you physically can't leave this space because you're trapped in your own head. It reminded me very much of dream logic. Yeah. Of I want to go to like because to me that's a very yeah. common dream I, I have. It's like I want to do this thing or I want to try something. Okay, do it. No, well, I, but I don't know why I can't. Yeah, it's almost like you're like trapped in a set of your mind yeah, of like yeah. you can't if you we walk haven't, off. We haven't built that part yet. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, it's like Truman Show or something. Yeah. Yeah. And then he says maybe the most chilling thing in this series. And I it's, think, I don't know how, I it never impacted me the way it did this time around. But I feel like it's going to be a thing that sits with me for a long time. Because he says to her, do I need to end your story? Now. Are you going to stop playing games or do I have to end your story too? <laughs> what story is that, Charlie? Is that the story of the little girl who lived on the lane? Is it? And holy yeah, fucking we, Christ, is we, that a he says sinister? Two also, he yes. says, I'm at, are we, I don't remember the, how the line starts, but are we going to whatever or am I going to have to end your story too? It's so fucking sinister. And he's, but he says. And threatening. But in. But he says in his therapist voice. Yeah. I, am I going to have to end your story too? And, and, she, and, and like. And the thing is. What story is that, Charlie? Which, the, little, what, the story of the little girl who lived down the lane, which again is another movie reference. There's a movie called The Little Girl Who Lived Down the Lane. Like, wow. Wow. David Lynch really knows how to pick really relatable <laughs> pop culture moments, right? huh? <laughs> I was I was thinking about using Jaws, but then I decided there's a movie called The Little Girl Who Lived Down the Lane. I'm going to use that instead. How well do you think people know A Birth of a Nation? Although people do know Birth of a Nation. Yeah, but if you, you like gave a line from it. No, it's a silent movie, Jessica. Fine, I'll cut this part out and everybody will realize you're the funny one. Fuck you, Michael. I'm so tired. Um, we're almost done. Uh, any other thoughts on this this kind of haunting scene? I just I think it's more uh, more. The first scene started out weird. This scene is even like the first Audrey Charlie scene started yeah. out weird. This scene's even weirder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of cryptic language. Mm-hmm. There's everything feels coded. Yeah, everything like it feels. It feels like one of those like if you ever took acting classes and really you never did theater classes. I, mean, I took a theater class in high school. I would okay. not describe that as anything close to. You. Um, but like there's like games or whatever where they tell you or not games but exercises I guess where it's like oh let's use this script. But let's make up this crazy weird story and try to convey this weird hidden story mm. with only the words you're given here which have nothing to do with that other hidden story so and it's all the emphasis it's and, yeah. yeah it's all like how can you try to say a thing that's all of the information is 100% subtext mm-hmm. nothing is legitimate like literally there's no you're text using, <laughs> you're using fake like it's the same thing of like using like makeup makeup words and to a language? scene. Yeah, like makeup language. Like it feels like the same oh, thing. Is that an acting exercise? Of don't use words? Just... Yeah, yeah. Oh. I mean, it can be, sure. Like it's like try to convey this thing. Like the game would, the exercise would be like you two do a scene. 
here's what's happening in the scene. The director will tell you whatever mm-hmm. you're, you, you want this, you want this, do this scene. Don't use any real words and see if the rest of the class can get an idea of what happened in the mm-hmm. scene. Mm-hmm. And that's the idea. Mm-hmm. And if you are doing a good job with your performance, you're getting that out. But I never actually said anything. So, you um, know. I almost just told you the fact that you told me last week about Steven Spielberg wanting all of his movies to be understandable <laughs> on mute. Yeah. And then I remembered. But the same idea. Yeah. What can you tell without right. dialogue? Right. And this, this feels like everything that they're saying is bullshit for some other conversation that's happening. Right. Or something. Because yeah. this is weird, man. Yeah. Um, so we go back to the roadhouse where an MC introduces James Hurley, who performs his song, Just You. It says Just You. I thought the song was Just You and I. Anyway. It's, uh, I guess I don't really know what the actual yeah. title is, but which we all know it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish that they had done a cover of this song that made it like, a genuinely good song. You know what I mean? Just like taking the general melody and even maybe that ba da 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 but just like kind of remastered it and reproduced it so it was like, oh, this is actually kind of a bop, but like... It's still not in his it's, key. Still not in his... It's literally the exact same performance but with two different brunettes. It's... Who are also still in high school or whatever. It, and they're I mean, dressed up like it's they're... It's produced they're, and shit. Like, he's got a weird reverb on yeah. his vocals and all that kind of stuff. But, like... Again, you know what, though? Again, someone who aged... He's much better looking God now. God damn, much he got better, better looking. Better looking. Yeah. Am I better looking now than I was when I was 20? Of course. Oh, my God. Thank you. <laughs> I love when you give me unprompted compliments. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah. Like, he... A lot of people look significantly better 25 years later which is wild yeah um it's impressive yeah um and then we see uh interstitial cuts of renee who we saw i fuck james yeah the first episode uh yeah i think it's the very episode the very end of the first episode the very episode we're talking about (laughs) Uh, and she is Moved to tears by this stupid not, fucking not tears, song. Like, her whole face is wet. Oh, I, I thought you meant she wasn't crying at all. And I was like, like I don't know. It isn't like, oh my God, I'm I'm welling up a yeah, little yeah. bit. This is beautiful. She's weeping. Which, by the way, I rewatched when we were talking about it last week, the Foo Fighters thing oh, that we, we talked did. about la- last week. And... But when I watched it, like, and I sat and was, like, watching it by myself with, like, headphones, I was like, yeah, I'm fucking welling up. I do not know if And it's, it's like, a good, powerful message of a song. Oh, like, yeah. I also... I, I absolutely I tweeted was it, like, up. this yeah. is our energy for Q2 2021. Yeah, I was absolutely welling up in it. And then, like, the guy's delivery at the end, he's like, I just want you to come play here, And the, the Mad uh, Conductor so was the same, like, Cuckoo Bananas Crazy Pants mm-hmm, mm-hmm. performance yeah. that I remember him being. It was so good. And I don't know if it was just... Like, seeing people stand in a group in the sunshine was just <laughs> balm for arm, my arm ruined arm, soul. Like, yeah. yeah. And yeah. listen, there is never going to be anything cooler than watching a bunch of people drumming the same thing at the same oh, time. It looks dope as hell. So good. And and it's not even like, I think we talked about this before too, but like, everyone's doing the exact same drum fill. Ugh. And like, every, it's so good. So good. I cannot, I cannot wait to be in... A good fucking punk rock pit again. Yeah. I, now I kind of want to go to Riot Fest this year if they have oh, it. Oh, yeah. Right? Just I mean, like, I doubt they'd have Riot Fest this year. It's yeah. way too much planning and 
it's typically yeah. in September and beyond that you can't. <laughs> and it's so funny because we we went to Riot Fest two years in a row, maybe three. I, they kind of all run together. I went three. I think you went. Two. I think I only went two. Um, and the first year we went. It was 40 degrees and raining and just fucking... Uh, I think that was the first time we went. Who knows? It was just, And that was the one that... Um, so Riot Fest, sorry, is a... It's like a Lollapalooza type thing, like mm. a touring concert. Is they Lollapalooza play, they, tour? They, no, that's just Chicago, isn't it? They they play like... Uh, Riot Fest plays like four or five cities, I think. Yeah, it's like... Um, and it's like... What was the Q101... Like Ozfest or something? Or no, Warp Tour? Warp Tour is what I was thinking yeah. of. Like that kind of thing of like yeah. a big, huge thing that Yeah, there's four or five states. I mean, it's it's grown over time. It's been sure. around for 15 years mm-hmm. now or something. Um, um, and it grows. It's gotten bigger and bigger to one, two stage, three stage, four, five, six stages. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever it is nowadays. But like what they do a really, really, really good job of that I love is clearly the people who organize it are my age ish or older Mm -hmm. so they really really focus on getting like old punk bands back together Mm -hmm. or like last last time they did it like jawbreaker reunited for this Mm -hmm. and you're like oh fuck i've always wanted to see like all like the descendants come back and they almost never tour like they get all these great well, old punk bands. The together. year that it was forty degrees and raining the whole time, it was. I wanted to see Chuck Reagan, and who you wanted to see open the, the day at eleven thirty a.m. and you wanted to see the replacements who closed the night at nine thirty p.m. and and I was not going to not see the replacements. No, absolutely, I, that was a band. Replacements are one of my all time favorite bands, mm-hmm. and I had never gotten a chance to see them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were re- again reuniting mm-hmm. for this one night only. Uh, I think. Well, they well, kind of one tour only. I mean, they kind of started getting back together again, but then they also they it's more of an expression they're, to they're one of those convey the idea that we were they, very excited to see them. Yeah, they're one of those bands that fights all the time, and so they just break up all the time. Hmm. Um, so they kind of did a medium. They did some other shows after that, but I think they're broken up again. Mm. But whatever. Uh, but they were getting back together for that, and I was like, I absolutely. Mm-hmm. Whatever it takes, I'm going to see the replacements. But at that time, Riot Fest was a one enter only. You yeah. couldn't leave and come back, which you can do now. I think. Oh, can you? I think so. Oh. I think there's because I, I think you can changer. log in with your phone and. Oh. I think there's like a yeah. I think there's a swipe in and out option now. Um, but then you couldn't. So it was going to see You're Chuck in. Reagan, 11:30, and it was you say 40, but it was like a shitty 40 it was, it was windy and rainy is and like humid it so was you're really bad it was and muddy because it rained all the day before so it was like super muddy it was gross it was terrible and i do in hindsight i feel like this is maybe a good solidifying moment in our relationship that we we're like okay we're gonna like do this thing whatever and we were it was at humboldt and mikey we were there with mikey's sister who lived five yeah, blocks from yeah. there of that um and at about 4 p.m I had was it we, even that late? I, I think so. I think I, I think I made it a pretty long way. Like okay. I, 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 yeah, I guess. I mean, I eleven thirty. Like, Chuck Reagan was done at twelve thirty. Yeah, in a couple hours. Yeah. Um, and we bought, we saw Bayside too that day. I mm-hmm. think Ooh, maybe if I remember right. Yeah, um, that was Bayside. But anyway, um, at at one that was point, the day I took a lot of pictures and I had Bayside oh, okay. pictures. So. 
And that was, I just looked at you and I was like, I'm sorry, I cannot do this anymore. Like, I want to be supportive of you and Mm -hmm. I'm not going to make you leave, but I have to get the fuck out. And I went back to Carrie's, to your sister's (laughs) place and took a bath and drank a bottle of wine. It was amazing. Um, But it was just such a nice moment of like, you're not going to make me stay there to like see your thing. And I'm not going to like make you leave with me because I don't. The best of both worlds. Cause I don't want you like tagging along and being like, yeah, miserable. Yeah. Whatever. Ruining what I've been waiting for my entire life, which was seeing the replacements live next to you. Yeah. No one's that. Um, (laughs) And was it that year that we hung out with Doug Benson? No, was the, le- that the was, next that year. Was, but that anyway, when that when, was when we yeah we watched we watched fucking Wu Tang with Doug Benson. <laughs> that was awesome. We, if you don't know what Doug Benson, we watched is a we comedian. watched Wu Tang with Doug Benson and then turned around and was like, they're, they're like, where are you going next?" And then we turned around and think, "I think we're gonna go watch Tegan and Sarah." He's like, "Cool," and came with us. <laughs> like, like it wasn't even like, "Oh, he happened to be there with us." Where and he was like, "Where are you guys doing next?" And I think. It was was it Tegan and Sarah or like oh. Joan Jett or somebody like that after that? Like, and we we're like, oh, we're gonna go over to this one. And he's like, cool, let's go. <laughs> like, just went with us, and it was like our friend is Doug Benson now, like following us around. Well, it, it was very funny because we that was I think the day we that were with the, Phil, who was been we on were the with show. Phil, yeah. and my brother was there too. And if you've ever been to like an outdoor concert or whatever, there's no cell service, like. Yeah, it's you might as well be in the too many ages. signals going up. Um, yeah. And so Ke- my brother Kevin and I, who's also a big Doug Benson fan, um, we'd kind of split up and I saw Doug like kind of to our left um, and like text Kevin like, he's here, I found it. Because we had been like, we knew, we saw on Twitter or whatever that he was mm-hmm. there. And we're like, oh, wouldn't that be funny? But there's also 10,000 people there. So you don't. Mm-hmm. So we saw him and we're like, Hey, because he's not local or anything. Like he was, in he was town in for a gig. For a gig, I think, and I think he was even like in Iowa or something like that, and was like, "Oh, I'll go over to Chicago for." Oh, I don't remember that. I don't even think he was in Chicago yeah. for a gig, but I could be wrong. Um, but he was like there with his girlfriend, um, and we kind of went over and we're like, "Hey, like I'm Jess. I'm a big fan. Loved. I saw Douglas movies live. X Y Z locations because I." Had, I think we'd already seen it doesn't matter um, and so he's like oh cool and he was like asking me actual like probing questions like you can tell if you're somewhere like hey I saw you do this and either they'll say oh cool or oh yeah so and so was there that night or who are the guests like who yeah, are we? Yeah. and he was like who are the guests and I named him he's like oh my god I remember that I think he was a little relieved that we weren't crazy people yeah lunatics yeah. and then I think what also kind of greased also, those particular he wheels he was high as fucking balls well so. <laughs> and what greased that particular wheel was Phil sidling up next to him like I got weed do you want some weed and he's like I do because Doug Benson's whole jam is weed and he's never paid for it no my god absolutely yeah. not he's said like I do not have to like worry about like bringing it where I'm going people the people provide people know, yeah and so we like fucked around doug benson for a little bit his wife was and a, I think those are the kind of things he knows is like oh this dude got me high friends cool for, I'll, let's uh friends I'll, for life. I'll hang out with you for a little while i'll go to the next show. like pay, i'll give you a good story payment is we're gonna hang out for a little while <laughs> like i'm not gonna just like cool thanks man peace out later mm-hmm. like he's not like he he to me, it almost seems like it's less about weed and more about, like, the camaraderie of it. And these guys are chill. Yeah. Well, and also, Doug Benson is a very 
specific level of famous that I would say 75% of people have no idea who sure, he is. Absolutely. And the 25% of people who do are like, oh yeah, and like are a, like many potheads, a generally chill people. <laughs> and sure. Like, and not, anyway, it was, but that day it was, we have so many pictures from that day. It was like gorgeous and sunny and I don't know if it was the I don't same have any day. pictures from that day. I know I have a picture. The pictures, all, all the pictures I took were on that shitty rainy day because I feel like it was distracting for me to like. No, there was one day that it was like really gorgeous out and I think it was still muddy from, it might have been, uh, it doesn't matter, but like to go back to the. Because I've also never been more than one day because it's a weekend. It's three days. It was one year we went to. I've never been more oh. than one day. Okay. Anyway, the point is I miss humans and concerts and the sun. <laughs> I still, one of my biggest regrets was I, I think it was that year. I when, Oh, and remember when I, when, by the time I got back to Carrie's place, you texted me a picture of you and Chuck Reagan. I was like, you yeah, yeah, dumb motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. That's good. I mean, you, we've since met him. Yeah. Close personal we got friends. The, the, my sister was the best to get the best autograph. Oh, yeah. Which we'll he. take a picture yeah. of it. Uh, he. Carrie saw my sister went and saw him in California. She moved there. Several, she had just moved several there. years later for a record release show and got a got him to sign a record for me. And then she mailed it to me that said, "Dear Mikey, call your sister Chuck Reagan." And she like sent me the uh-huh. disc or whatever, and which is a great little bit. And he's like, "I don't even know what I'm writing," but that was great. And but, then we saw him in Chicago and uh, yeah, tr- ran. We were drunk. drunk when that happened, though, which I. God bless him because he was he was a sweetheart, but like okay, I was borderline berating of him, and he was like, "I don't know what you we want me were, to do." I don't know if you guys can tell, but when I get drunk, I tend to be loud and <laughs> and not aggressive in a physical way, but just like in a friendship aggression way. Mm-hmm. Um, but after it, this was at uh, the Ginger Man uh, in Wrigleyville, we had just seen him at Metro, which is right we had just door. seen him in the Metro. We went next door to the, Dis- the Disney Man. What? The Ginger G-Man. Man. It's t- I think it's technically just the G-Man. Now. Mm, well, the cool kids call it the Ginger Man. Oh, okay. Or I could have straight up made that up. It it's been Ginger a long time, time since I've it, been there. It was Ginger Man at the time. Um, I think they officially changed the name to G-Man, though. But I ended up kind of like sidling up to the bar next to some random woman. And another fact about Jessica is she makes friends wherever she goes, whether they like it or not. <laughs> but anyway, I was like bullshitting with this woman. And it turned out she was the cousin or something of the bassist for Chuck Reagan's band. Uh, and so we were just chit-chatting, and then the bassist walks up, and I, and I said to him, hey, good job, I liked the part when you played the bass. And he did, this is not going to work on podcasting, he played both the stand-up bass and, like, the... At different parts in the set. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, yeah, I did it this way and this way, and, like, gestured, like, a regular bass and a stand-up bass. And it, it was, was so fucking rant. quick, and it made me laugh so hard. <laughs> yeah. But we saw Chuck, and wanted to get an autograph and tried to probably simultaneously explain to him what we were because what we wanted to do is get him to sign something a reply to the autograph my sister sent that said Carrie nobody misses you love Chuck or something like that and so we and he was like I don't what am I who what and And it's just uh, scribbled and messy and and of course instead of just being like hey can you write this thing and then maybe give him context later we're like here's the story my sister Carrie just moved to California and she met you and you did this and we have this and so he was like "Uh uh-huh and just wrote his name and gave it back to us like Bless his he heart. He wrote the thing, but it's messy because he was like cro- like writing over things. Yeah. He didn't he didn't understand what was happening, which yeah, I understood. I, I don't know why. Every time I meet Chuck Reagan, I'm not insignificantly drunk. Yeah. 
One time, you're just Chuck- drunk a lot, maybe. <laughs> Well, when I go to concerts. Yeah. Uh, one time I went to a Chuck Reagan show at City Winery. Mm. With well, that place is dangerous. Ooh, that was City Winery is dangerous because if you're watching a show, you're just sitting there watching a show, having some wine, mm. and then the show ends and you stand up and you're like, oh, oh no. Because you don't realize how hard it hits you until you like get up and start moving. Right. Yeah. Um, but I w- he was playing two nights in a row and you, me, and our friends Lee and Amanda mm-hmm. all went together. And then um, we that knew was a guy. That was when the, Hersey was working there. Yeah, but who was the, the opener? Was the fucking banjo guy, and I can't remember. Oh, his name. what was his really name? Really fucking good. It's a one-syllable last name. It's not Sly, but it's it's not Tony Sly, but it to mm, me in my yeah. head it sounds like that name. Anyway, um, but. So I went back the second night, and I Mikey couldn't go for whatever reason. Amanda couldn't go, so it was just me and Leah, who's my best friend from high school. Uh, and so we obviously, like, we got shitty pizza for dinner, ate at my office, went and hung out at this place. Because we were broke. Like, we, I could not afford tickets for a second night, but, like, I wasn't going to pass it up. And then <laughs> afterwards, we were hanging out in the lobby and saw him. And so we were just chatting with him. And I asked something about his wife because he had just had a baby. So I was asking him how that was going. And he, I don't know why I asked him how he met his wife, but he told me this, like, beautiful story wildly romantic story he's a total romantic oh my god and another person who's so fucking handsome and keeps getting handsomer um but he told this story of he was supposed to go to this gig in san francisco and he met this woman and instead of going to this gig or going to a concert or whatever they just like skateboarded around the city of san francisco and like that's how they fell in love or something lovely like that and i was like oh my god your wife sounds so cool my my husband is gonna leave me for her and he goes she's spoken for in a way that was like oh okay we're not there we're not (laughs) friends i did cross that line good to know yeah noted for the future (laughs) it was like it, it wasn't he's, mean. It was he's just the, in a like, He's the best. Oh, my God. He, I Chuck love Reagan's him so amazing. much. If you don't listen to Chuck Reagan, listen to Chuck Reagan. He's yeah, wonderful. Covering Ground is a great and album. And his other band, Hot Water Music. Hot Water also Music. Very, very, very good. good. Um, but no, what I was starting to tell was my huge, and I've never been back since, my big fucking Riot Fest regret was... Oh, yes, this is. I was watching The Cure, and I saw five or six songs, and they were incredible. Yes, I wrote it. It was a really, really, really good set. And I was like, oh. But I hear Weezer is going to be doing the Blue Album, top to bottom. I was was like, I'd love to see Weezer. And I made my way over from The Cure to Weezer. Were you still there? Because I thought you had left. No, no, we were together because I remember being extraordinarily stressed out by this whole situation. And the way it was set up with the stupid fucking arcade parts, which get in the way, I couldn't get to the Weezer stage until Jane's Addiction no, not um, Primus was letting out, mm. and I I don't give a shit about Primus. No. Um, but I was trying to get there, and I was trying to get to Weezer, and I got as close as I could, which is still really far back. Mm-hmm. And they started with the idea is they're gonna, like you said, play Blue front to back, right. and, and we're I, like perfect. That I want to see. And the first three songs are the songs Blue, we want to see. I love Pinkerton. That's about all I really care. about. Yeah, I like some other stuff. Beyond that, I'm a dollar, but I just don't even know. But they started out with every fucking single. And 
and it was so crowded. I there's like they're the opposite of Foo Fighters for me. Where like the Foo Fighters, my favorite songs are their fucking singles. Mm-hmm. Weezer, most of their hit songs or singles, I think are absolute gar. I think mm-hmm. Hashpipe is awful. I think Beverly Hills. You is hate Beverly awful. Hills. Like they have a bunch of those types of songs that I'm like, this is fucking terrible. Right. Like even the sweater song, I think, is one of the worst songs on Blue Album. Yeah. And it was like their first single. Mm-hmm. Like it's insane. But I was really looking forward to that, and they just were playing all these fucking songs that I didn't get. Island of the Sun. Mm-hmm. Hate that song. Well, and the the sort of compounding thing was the reason i like riot fest in particular is because it's very spread out right and so unless you want to get up on stage was right next to the weezer station this was a huge drawing event so it was just jam-packed with people and for me i get extremely nervous and if i'm being jostled i I was the same place i mean yeah and you like mosh pits like you're yeah but that's different when i'm i'm moving when i'm trying to go somewhere it's infuriating yeah yeah and so we went from like this and we had a nice spot on the lawn when we were watching The Cure and then we oh, get over yeah. there and we're like crammed up in a corner. People are like pushing past us. It was the end of the night. It was the last thing and we looked at each other like I got, we, that's we what it, had that's to right. go. I had to go and we were leaving. We started walking out the gate and then they started playing. And so as we were walking because you can't get a cab, you can't get a bus right. at the end of the show. So we just walked for 15, 20 blocks until we could get to something. Yeah. And that whole way you could still just hear Weezer playing, which was great. Which ended up being fine. We like stood on a corner. But but I really, really wish I had just watched the rest of the Cure set. Yeah, it was. Because that was great. And it's too bad because that was a really, was that the day we saw uh, Me First? Yeah. And that was such a, I I think that was all the same day with Doug Benson and stuff like that. Yeah, that was that one. That was was our our second one again. Such a platonic ideal of like how that could go until the last minute. Yeah, that's why it was such a big buzzkill. I could have just closed the day out by seeing the fucking cure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway. And the episode ends with Ed sitting alone at Big Ed's gas farm. (laughs) Oh, shit. Again, the noises Mikey makes when he watches Big Ed be sad is, oh God, it's like listening to a puppy being strangled. There was a lot of debate online for a while about this scene and something about, let's see what we can find and post links to it or whatever, but something about like the, when, when there's the, you see Ed eating the soup and whatever, and then you get up behind the shoulder of Ed looking out at cars passing by Mm -hmm. and there was a bunch of discussion about like the reflection doesn't match what oh. Ed's doing okay, or some shit but I still can't fucking see what people are talking well, about you, you even notice more in like Audrey's scene that the reflection yeah, behind, the reflection, there's, there's behind this, him was off there's a scene yeah in the Audrey Charlie scene in the shots of Charlie Audrey's reflected in the mirror but the mirror or not the mirror but the window behind Charlie but the window is to Charlie's left and where the camera is seems like that's not where her reflection would be by the angle that she's facing mm-hmm. same thing with we talked about in the camper window of of when Richard attacks yes yeah, Miriam yeah, yeah, yeah. like that reflection is not real I don't mm-hmm. think but there was a lot of discussion about this one. This one, I barely even see it. And I've also kind of heard has been basically debunked mm-hmm. is not a thing. Well, that's... Listen. But but also like... But like I just want to... I don't want to watch some weird shit here. I just want to sit and wallow with Ed. Mm-hmm. 
who what could have been? took his fucking soup to go, which he probably doesn't even like. Right. He just wants it as an excuse to go to the fucking double R where Norma is. Right. And it's just, it's there's no there's no music playing. It's just I Ed hate these sad. endings. It's just, just the silent credits ugh. are such a bummer to me. Um, end of episode. Yeah, this one this one's weird. A weird it, is a very I, good word for it. It's just I, kind I of, don't know how I feel. Like I can't. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's not particularly good. There it's, are moments that are very right. like it has a couple of my favorite moments sure. in the in the in sure. the season. Uh, but I, you know what? We talk a lot about the sort of unofficial theme of an episode. I can't find one in this. I mean, the only thing I'm thinking is, and I don't know if that's considered a theme, but is like the pulling the rug out. Like they set you up and yeah, twist you. And, yeah, I guess that's and, fair. And there's, you know, the cherry pie saving the day a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall. But that ties a couple scenes together. Sure, it doesn't really sure. tie the episode together. And I just, like, I just, there's something about, like this episode is is weird but there's a lot of weird shit but for some reason all the weird shit that happens in this episode like I don't even have I can't even really formulate solid working theories for like the the Sonny Jim on the playground scene is cool mm-hmm. I can't make any sense of it it's it doesn't mean it anything sure. to I- me I there's you know some really interesting stuff like I love the the Fusco's and the thumbprint scene mm-hmm it's silly like it's it's this feels like it would have been one of those comedy episodes in season two but the comedy is very different but there's funny sitcom-y things in it the fucking arm wrestling thing is so weird and so doesn't feel like Twin Peaks but but I fucking love it but I don't have any theories about what it means or why it fucking happened or why it was like 12 minutes of the episode or whatever yeah. it is. Because usually when I come to this, I will, at one point during the episode, I will think like, oh, this is like the, oh, and that kind of, connect. and so I start to sort of connect the dots in my head. And even if I don't sit down at this table with like a theory ready to go, once I start talking about it, I'm like, oh sure. yeah, everybody is going home in this episode or whatever. And this one, I genuinely, if I wasn't reading the the summary, I would have a hard time remembering what right, went on, what which isn't even necessarily a criticism because I enjoyed watching it. Sure, sure. But yeah, it's it almost it to me kind of has the vibe of like the third to last episode of like Lost or something like that uh-huh. in a season when they're like, okay, we need to get our ducks in a row. This isn't going to be exciting. We're, we have to do a, a lot of. We're teeing up our yes. five episode finale. Yes, we have to do yeah. a lot of groundwork to make sure all yeah. of these runways yeah, are laid. Yeah, that's probably fair. Because Th- it that feels would be a little bit like if you were taking all the scenes we shot and I'm sitting down in my editing room, mm-hmm. I've got 18 hours to cut. This, okay, this this will go together. This will be hour one or two. This will be 17 and 18. This is like his discard pile. Yeah. It's I like, like these okay, scenes. Here's all the scenes I want to use. I don't really know where they go. Yeah. Let's all let's throw all of those into one episode. Right. Then we'll pick back up with right. Legit, like these are all the leftovers, but I can't can't bring myself to get rid of them. Right. Right. It's a because we don't need the arm wrestling shit. As long as we get to the Ray conversation, that's the only important thing that happens there. 
Do you know the expression kill your darlings? I don't think so. Um, basically, my understanding of kill your darlings, and I'm, it's a movie, so it makes it kind of harder to Google. When I've heard it used, it's generally in the, um, in the context of I'm making a movie, and this is my favorite scene in this movie. Oh. But I keep watching it, and I'm realizing this scene does nothing to push the, the plot forward. It doesn't grow characters. Sure. I need to cut this scene for the good of the overall plot. Sure. And, and that's my understanding of it. I could be I could be wrong. But it almost feels like this should have been a Kill Your Darlings episode. Like, these it's are the missing some... pieces. Yes. It's, yes. I mean, there's... there's. I love the Big Ed Norma scene. Mm-hmm. I mean, partially because I just absolutely love anything Big Ed Norma are in. Of course. Um, but I get why that has no place in Firewalk With Me. Yeah. You know, it... it why are we jostled out of this mm-hmm. Laura Palmer story to mm-hmm. talk about Big Ed for a scene? Right. What does right. that have to do with anything? I get why that's not in there. Yeah. But also, it seems like I got the Killer Darlings emphasis generally right. It it, it expands to storylines, characters, yeah. sentences. Yeah. Kill your favorite. You know, yeah. I have to cut my favorite elements, but to yeah to yeah, serve the sense. rest of the. Interesting. I don't think I'm surprised I've never heard that. Yeah. Um. Speaking of which, that ends our episode. If you want to hear more from me, uh, I'm going to be on an upcoming episode of a movie, uh, excuse me, a podcast called God Awful Movies, hmm. uh, which is, uh, it's sort of a, how did this get made, a flop house, a make fun of bad movies podcast. Um, they focus on Christian cinema. Um, and so we... Is that an actual term? I did use if it. If we're getting, so- like, with the world we live in now, with... The Scorsese debate about what's cinema and all this shit. I don't know about Christian cinema. I did, when I was recording, <laughs> insist on calling it a film instead of a movie Ooh, a couple times, okay. which I thought was a pretty fun goop. But it's a comedy podcast. Um, and we watched this movie called The God Question, and I've watched it twice. And I am telling you now, nothing happens in that movie. Um, either time. Either time. Like, genuinely, the, the, <laughs> <laughs> the first time I watched it, it ended... And I was like, maybe I got too high before this because I have no idea what just happened. And so I rewound it, watched the last five minutes. I was like, nope, just it just stopped. I'm, it literally just stopped. I'm a little bit curious about. I don't know if it actually ever actually can. Like that's what's weird right now is with this the pandemic and all the, the world and the way movies are coming out and shit now is that like. There's trailers that I saw like two years ago <laughs> that like may or may not have ever actually come out yet. Uh-huh. And there's one of them, and I forget what it's called, but it's about people who watched, who were like, why are, why do Christian movies always have to be bad? And mm-hmm. then find out, like, it doesn't matter if they're not any good, and they set out to make a Christian movie to make money. Is it a documentary, or this no, is a, it's a just narrative? A, it's a Interesting. comedy. Oh, I'm kind of into that. And I don't remember what it's called, but I... I feel like it was supposed to come out at mm-hmm. some point last year, but may have been delayed. I've never heard of that. But it's... I'm, yeah. I, yeah, I'm curious to see how that works. Like yeah. that's, that's the idea is that like, it doesn't matter if this movie's any good, we're going to make bang. Right, right, Just right. by making it. Um, but yeah, this the, um, uh, the, the God question is about that MIT invented a supercomputer that knows everything, that... 
Mikey, are you ready for this? Surpasses the intelligence of humans, which I thought they did in like the 1970s, but like, <laughs> what the fuck do I know? Um, and so the FBI shuts it down, and this guy decides he asks he has to ask this supercomputer the question: Does God exist? And then nothing happens for an hour and fifteen minutes, and then the movie ends. End of story. Anyway, so that's called God Awful Movies. I think they said it's going to drop on Tuesday. So, uh, so check that out if that is your jam. Also, I am co-host of the Friendly Atheist podcast. If you want to get into that too. Um, Mikey, any uh, podcasts you want to plug that you've been on? Any projects Cooper in the works? Duper? It's a I've Twin Peaks podcast it. for regular people. Now, what is a regular person? I don't know. Like, I think it's I, basically all I've ever meant with that was that we don't. Oh, we have no connections to fucking anything. We're not going frame anything. by frame. I'm just, here's my thoughts. Well, yeah, and we're not like Maybe, professional screenwriters yeah. or like producers who offer any or like film like a well-known culture critics who have access to anything okay so that uh, is it's a movie called faith-based that sounds fun and according to this it was august last year it said it came on october 9th 4.9 so, out of 10 oof, so not good but it's on prime for free seems to be cool uh, might be worth a watch yeah Curious. Um, is that David Koechner? Yeah, probably. It's a stupid comedy. He's in I'm all of those. So, okay, first David of all, Koechner's in everything, man. A pretty male-heavy cast, but we have um, Lance Reddick. That name sounds Ooh, familiar. Yeah. He's, he's he's the tall, bald, skinny black guy. Oh, he's Mr. Clue from uh, yeah. He's Lost. in Lost. He was in so we The Wire. And him. Stuff like that. We have Jason Alexander. We have Margaret Cho. David oh. Koechner. Um, those are all the people I recognize. Yeah, maybe I'll uh, watch that. Anyway, um, cool. Thank you for uh, hanging out with us. We are recording this on a Friday night, so I am absolutely gassed right now. Also, mm. I've been on mic, I think, collectively eight hours today, and I'm so fucking tired. Um, thank you, as it usual. This must be what it's like to like work at Max Fun or something. Oh, like, God. like the uh, Paul Paul F. Tompkins or somebody. Yeah, this is. Like, I'm, I'm living Paul his, F. Tompkins' life for one day, and it's. I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm, it's nine oh four. I'm like, thinking I might just go to sleep after yeah. this. Okay. Um. Thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to Cooper Duper, a Twin Peaks podcast for regular people, hosted by Michael Greif and me, Jessica Bloomke Greif. Our podcast logo is by Forker Creative. You can follow them at Forker Creative. Our theme music is by Brad Chactus. You can always email us at cooperduperpod at gmail.com. Please go on iTunes and leave us a positive review and tell a friend. We'll see you next week. <laughs>